1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Andre Fernandez, deputy sports editor, back for another episode with our beat writer that covers the Marlins, Jordan McPherson, who is on the road in Washington, D.C. And last week at this time, we kept saying if the Marlins are going to get their bleep together, it had to be now, right? Well, they did. Four straight games, four wins. This team is right back in the fight. That's the good news. The bad news is a lot of other teams are in the fight with them and we're looking at a four-way tie. So let the mayhem begin. let that it ain't coastal chaos like the ACC, but let chaos reign now as we enter the final month of the season. Four teams fighting for that final spot, the Miami Marlins, of course, the Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Reds, as of Monday. after the Marlins swept, the Nats all four games are all in a, in a deadlock. Well, at least it made things interesting for you the final few weeks, Jordan.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a wild 25 game stretch to finish the season. Like you mentioned, Marlins sweeping the Nationals in all four games. Season, or else, yeah, it's a season high four game win streak since the All Star break. They hadn't won more than three in a row prior to that series. And remember, this is a Nationals team that took two or three against them in Miami just a weekend earlier. The Marlins. Did what they need to do, and they got the help they needed from the other end. The Reds split the four-game set with the Cubs. The Diamondbacks dropped two of three. The Baltimore, San Fran lost three of four. The San Diego, or yeah, the San Diego, to put all of them at three games over five hundred, going into the final three and a half weeks. The Marlins now their goal. They need to figure out how to sustain what they did against Washington as they move forward, because. Just like they had that one stretch where it was like 22 straight games against playoff contenders, they've got another 13 coming. They're starting with – they have three games at home starting Tuesday against the Dodgers. Then they go up to Philly for three games, Milwaukee for four games, and then back home for three against Atlanta. So they need to find a way to basically bottle up this success against Washington and find a way to keep themselves afloat while they're in this 4 game de- 14 deadlock for a final spot, which really – to me right now, it's it's still, to me, it's still five teams fighting for two spots because Chicago Cubs, they're only three games up in this, and they still face a lot of these teams that are in this four-team hunt. They still have seven games left against Arizona, and they have three games left against San Francisco. So the Cubs are definitely still a factor in this race for these final two spots as well. Philly, I think, has the top spot all but locked. The other, right. the other two, they have, there's five teams fighting for those last two.
1: Yeah, and, that, and that's the interesting part because when you look at that, while the Cubs are doing whatever they're going to do, whether they lose to these teams, then they fall out, gives the Marlins, let's say, a chance to jump up to that second spot. Or while the Cubs are beating up on all these other teams, solidifying their status, they're actually helping the Marlins. So basically, they're in a they're in a position where, as long as nothing, as they don't hit some terrible skid again, if this team at least you know keeps their winning ways going. The odds are even better now. Not only did they fight their way back into it, but now they're in. They made. They put themselves in a position where odds are good that they can. That that they're going to get this last spot if they stay consistent the last three three ish weeks here. Um, but let's you know, not just looking at the scoreboard and looking at the standings and whatnot, but let's look at what how they did it. I mean, finally they started hitting the ball again consistently. I mean, they were slugging again. Eight home yeah, runs. Yeah. 31 runs total scored. It looks like that lineup finally came to life. Yeah, and they did
0: it without Jorge Soler in any of it. Soler hasn't right. played since uh, the Tuesday game against Tampa when he left with right hip tightness. He's missed five straight games, and they still managed to slug eight home runs. Jake Berger hitting three of them. He's up to 30 on the season, uh, five since joining the Marlins. Uh, Jazz hit a three-run shot. Dela Cruz and Sanchez each hit three-run shots. Uh, Luis Arias had 10 hits in four games, finally looking like himself again. Interestingly enough, four consecutive games with multiple hits. He had a four-hit game on Saturday. It was his first four hit game since the second game after the All-Star break. You had to go all the way back to mid-July to find the last time that Rise had more than four hits. You had to go back to the Yankee series, to find the last time he had a three-hit game. It's been almost a month. So to see him have ten hits, four games with at least two hits, batting averages back up to about three fifty-six. And really he's finally setting the table again which when he's setting the table when he's going it just sets the rest of the lineup up for success and it's the first time that we've seen him really do well since Josh Bell and Jake Berger were acquired and we're seeing how they're playing off each other Josh Bell was in the two hole with Jorge Soler out so you're really able to see how the two of them were able to play off each other going back to back Jazz has been getting hot in the cleanup spot he had the he had the three run home run in the first game, had hit a couple other doubles. Uh, and the Marlins they just they found ways to win. You look at the Saturday game that could have gone either way, They went 11 innings. Uh, they end up getting a four run, four run top of the 11th, cap by Garrett Hampson, hitting a two run home run after they strung together four consecutive hits before that. So, I feel, like, see,
1: I, I feel like I hadn't heard Garrett Hansen's name in, in in weeks, maybe months. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Giving, Again, yeah,
0: yeah, after the trade deadline, once they got Bell and Berger. Hampson was the odd man out. He went down Triple A, and still he hit like 370 down there. And right. Hampson, when he was up here, he was good. He was He's hitting 280 OPS about 735. It's just because he did that spot roll sort of like a second John Birdie playing basically a spot star here or there, pinch run situation, defensive replacement situation. But more, more often than not, whenever Gary Hampson came in, he was a spark. And it was the same this weekend in D.C. And then a couple other guys, uh, Xavier Edwards. Their September call-up uh, comes in as a pinch hitter in extra innings, uses his speed to get on with a fielder's choice and help manufacture a run in the tenth inning to keep the game alive. And then on Saturday, two hits, hits a double, and then scores on a Luis Riot single. And then after uh, Trevor Williams, the national starter, gave up four home runs, Xavier Edwards decided to toy with him, drops a bunt, gets a single, and he showed showcased his versatility and what was working for him in Triple A just his ability to get on base and use his speed to just terrorize opponents and that just gives the marlins yet another option off the bench spot starter to be able to give them some situational type players that are that should be able to help them down the stretch
1: the pride of north broward prep xavier edwards uh, right. doing it again got to get his chance back in the majors good to see and good to see that he's taking he's seizing it and taking advantage of it and maybe he becomes one of those uh, contributors. You know, I mean, that's the thing. Teams like this, you always see it. They're on the stretch when they're in a playoff run. Like, you need unlikely sources to ju- to, to come in and, and and play some good roles and be clutch in certain situations, and they're going to need it. And we saw that a little bit, too, from the pitching side. I mean, not only from the starters. The starters were great. Nine, nine runs in 23 and two-thirds innings, but then the bullpen, too. We were talking about how shaky they had been, but they gave up just four runs Two of them were obviously in the extra inning situation, which you know I always feel like oh, you know—the cheap, the cheap runs given up when it's the ghost runner. But you know, importantly enough, it seemed like that group finally did it. And again, we're saying all this in the big, in, in the grand scheme, it was one series. Yes, four game sweep was important against a team that is not in it. But you see elements that hopefully for them can carry over, especially the the type of competition that's coming up. Yeah,
0: no I specifically want to talk about starters. starters. Uh, Braxton Garrett, six innings, one-run ball. Uh, Yuri Perez gave up a couple home runs. He gave up three runs, just under five innings. Sandy Alcantara, prototypical Sandy Alcantara, Some, makes it through four innings on 30-some pitches, goes through a rough fifth inning, throws 20 pitches, gives up three runs. And I'm thinking, okay, bullpen's going to probably start coming in around the sixth, seventh inning. Nope, Sandy still goes eight innings goes eight innings, he gave up the four runs, two only two of which were earned, but somehow manu, man, manages to bounce back from a rough fifth inning and then goes seven-pitch seven pitch inning, nine-pitch inning, 11-pitch inning, 12-pitch inning. And it's just like, okay, we still have, even with when he has one of his quote-unquote blow-up innings, we still got typical required needed Sandy Alcantara, especially since in that game, Mar- that the Marlins were tied four to four going into the ninth inning, so Sandy right. being able to keep them in the game, keep it tied until the offense finally got back out there and got two more runs in the ninth inning—that's the Sandy Alcantara that we saw from last year, and we've saw that we've seen for a good chunk of the second half. And to see him continue to do it—that was his sixth outing this year, where he's gone at least eight innings. Nobody right. else, I think, has gone more than three in Major League Baseball this year. It's been a good revelation see. And four of those outings have been since the All-Star break. The two complete right. games, and the the eight inning game against Philly earlier this earlier in the second half as well. So Sandy's back on the right course. Uh Rax and Garrett's still going strong. Johnny Cueto threw five strong innings. Got his first win as a Marlin. Uh, Yuri Perez, we're still seeing some bumps in the road. But if he's able to give you five innings and keep it to three runs or less, you take that and run. And now it's looking like the Marlins are also going to officially go to a six-man rotation, which is something that we discussed a little bit in last week's episode. I asked Skip Schumacher about it when Coito was poised to return and with Edward Cabrera still in the minor leagues. Uh, as of right now, it's when Hazard's uh, Lazardo going Tuesday. Wednesday will be that sixth starter slot, and it's either going to be Edward Cabrera, who is on regular rest for Wednesday. Or a bullpen game with Brian Hoeing being the bulk guy, sort of like what they did the last time when they had to fill Cuito's spot. Hoeing is able to give them five innings if they need him to. They just like him out of the bullpen more. Hoeing's more comfortable coming out of the bullpen after somebody throws the first inning. So they have two different options that they can go there. I'm my gut tells me it's gonna be Edward Cabrera coming up, but it, either way, they have the option to do the six-man spot. Just and again, that's a move that's logical for them with. All the young guys—Braxton, Gary hitting career innings, Rosario hitting career innings, Yuri hitting career innings—to be able to, to create some ways to give them a little bit of rest down these final four turns through the rotation.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a necessary evil, but you kind of hope that Edward is able to come back and he's effective too. Because so I'd rather trust that in, a, in a, strong, a good arm like his if when he's healthy, then. Leaving kind of not the chance, but you know, you kind of risk a little more when it's one of those bullpen starts, especially when you're in a playoff race, and you know you don't want to throw away any day at this point or during this final stretch of 16 here. But um, you know, and then going back to Sandy, this is kind of like what we talked about, right? This is what we wanted to see out of him. I'm glad. I mean, that, that talk we had a couple of weeks ago, I think it was about showing that poise in a rough spot. You want that energy from him. You want him to be pissed. You want him to do all that, but you don't want it to affect his pitching, and in that case, it didn't, and that's the kind of thing that, I would, that I would, the point I was trying to make earlier is that you want him to keep that that focus, though, and be the pitcher that he can be, and, and he showed it there, so that was good to see at the top of the rotation, of course. But, yeah, we'll see if Cabrera can come back and uh, obviously contribute down the stretch here as we as we get further into this uh, this clutch run here.
0: Yeah, and with Edward Cabrera, he's made five starts in Triple A, uh, 28 and one third innings, seven earned runs It's a 2.22 ERA. The main numbers look at 30 strikeouts to 12 walks over those five. And if I remember correctly, I'm pulling up the game log now. I believe it was either six or seven of those walks came in one of the outings. So he's right. averaging less. He's averaging about one walk per game. If you if you remove that one, that one where he his command completely eluded him. Uh, yeah, it was okay. So it was five walks in one of the outings. The other four outings, it was three strikeouts with one walk, ten strikeouts with two walks, eight strikeouts with two walks, seven strikeouts with two walks. So two or right. less in four of the five. That's what you want to see. He's gone went anywhere from five to six innings in all in all five of the outings. No more than two runs allowed in any given outing. If you're gonna bring him up, it feels like now's the time. Especially right. again, you've got the dodge, it's the Dodgers. You're gonna want to. You want to stack the deck as best in your favor as possible, especially when you don't have Sandy Alcantara in one of those three starting slots. You got Lazardo, the TBD spot, and then Braxton Garrett are your three pitchers. Stack the deck as best you can. And then if you need to go with a long man in relief and something happens, you have Brian Helling in your back pocket and you don't have to hold him. And you know that you have to use him in one of those days as a essential essentially a starter.
1: Well, let's look at that stretch run now. As uh, we were talking about this, uh, not the maybe not the entire stretch run, but at least this next patch of these next two weeks coming up. Uh, again, back to that brutal slate, and that's the thing. I mean, for what the amount of games remaining, the only teams they're going to face that are not in the race right now are the Mets for six and the Pirates. Those three at the end, but you kind of, I feel like you can't even just throw away the Mets because you know the Mets are going to be, you know. A, an obstacle and they're going to want to, they're going to, they've always got, you know, that division rivalry yeah, thing. They just, all took that.
0: Two, they just took two or three in Seattle this weekend.
1: Exactly. So yeah. that, that you can't even discount that series completely as, as none of them are going to be a gimmies, you know what I mean? Right. And by the time they hit that pirate series at the end, they better have it either locked up or be in good shape. And they're going to have to win those games too, probably the way this is going. So looking at that last stretch, you know, the Dodgers at home, like you mentioned before, the six man is coming, like you're talking about. And I think that especially going back to your point about stacking the rotation, because the Dodgers are throwing other big guns now, too. You're gonna face you're gonna see Kershaw right away. I mean, can this team carry over what they're able to do in Washington this weekend? Which, you know, Washington no longer is a doormat. We know that. It's still a lot of it's still in know rebuilding phase in their franchise, but we saw a little run they were on. They were starting to creep up a little bit on some of these wildcard teams. But can they bring that? You saw some of the, we were talking about before, some of those elements. What do you kind of see there? Can they carry this over against some, the pretty good competition that's coming? Because they, even the, like when you look at it, the Dodgers, the Phillies, of course, they're going to face the Braves that have been so dominant, even though it's at home. And the Brewers is interesting too, because they have not faced Milwaukee yet. Correct. And now they're going to get seven, not, you know, they're going to get all seven of them in this, including more of them up there than down here with the four coming up on the road. And that team obviously fighting for the central division as well as a playoff spot with the Cubs.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be a very interesting stretch down here, these 13, and then to close it out with Mets, Met, home with Mets, home with Brewers, and then on the road Mets and Pirates to close it out. Right. But in terms of what they need to carry over, I got I actually had the chance to talk with Brant Brown, the Marlins hitting coach, post-game Sunday, and just ask him, what he liked about what he saw from the group. And his response was, well, we're finally taking what the teams are giving us again. We're not, they didn't chase out of the zone as much. They were actually drawing walks, which is, they were having productive outs. They were, those were some of the key things that he's been trying to preach with them all season, where you have guys where it's runners on second and third and one out, and it's okay to have a ground out to the right side it brings a run it's okay to draw a walk, even it's okay to draw a walk in a 3-2 count. It's okay to sacrifice your at bat if it means that the offense is going to be able to, the team's going to be able to get a run across because of it. And it's been a lot of times there, especially with a lot of the younger guys on on the on the on the roster in terms of position players, it's hard for them to understand that process of okay of taking the personal hit for the overall betterment of it. Or just thinking, okay, I need to hit a line drive even if it's going to be a flyout. When a flyout doesn't score a run, learn him ha- trying to help him learn the intricacies of situational hitting. And they finally showed it again against the Nationals, where they drew walks. They got they used their they put the ball in play. They used their speed in order to to make things hectic on the on the defense and make the defense rush a couple of plays. They're trying to figure out all of these the little situational type things to get themselves in a position to succeed. Because again, they're probably not going to slug eight home runs every single series. That's just, that's not how this team has been built. They're a team that is still, there is some pop, there's some more slug, there is some more double stack hitting, but they're not a team that should be relying on the home run solely to succeed. And, Yes, they did a lot. A lot they had a lot of the power in the series and watched Washington, but they also had a lot of getting guys on base to set up the big hit, and they need to continue doing that. In addition to taking the mistakes of pitchers, given them that they can take for home runs on occasion, and being able to to basically find the balance between those two.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting because again, this is uh, the playoffs. I always say at this point, when you're that type of a team that it's in such a tight race. You know, the playoffs start early and the playoffs have already begun for this team because you can't really you're not gonna be able to afford too many defeats down the stretch, the way this thing is so uh, you know, packed so tightly right now in the division. Twenty five games to go overall. But these next sixteen especially are gonna make or break this team as to whether they can make it or not, I think, because you know, if they can come out of this and 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 honestly it, it can't even really be they are they are gonna get some help like we mentioned before by default because some of them are going to beat each other up. But really, I think you almost have to come out with at least 10 wins out of this. You almost have to, you almost have to come out with like a winning, almost like the old winning NFL record, 10 and six, something like that would make the playoffs. Well, maybe that, maybe that's kind of what the, you know, the the metaphor here that they have to come out with out of this 16 game stretch just to stay afloat. And uh, if they do that, then you go into the final nine feeling a little better and probably still right in the thick of it. It'll be interesting to see how, you know, whether they're tied, how how high above, how maybe a little bit behind they might be. But if they do that, at the very least, guaranteed, I think they're in striking distance of getting this done.
0: Yeah, and they also, while it's focusing on the 16-game stretch of hand, it's also, they need to just focus on the one game that they're playing at a time. They need to focus on just that right. one game that's directly in front of them. Uh, talk with uh, yeah, I basically talked with, I feel like, two-thirds of the clubhouse about just where they are because a lot of these guys, it's an interesting balance with the roster. It's either the handful of guys who have made it all the way to the World Series or it's a bunch of guys who have never been in a meaningful September hunt. So I tried to get find the perspective from both of those those range groups of players. Uh Johnny Cuello basically told everybody told all the the younger guys going, look, we're in the playoffs now. Look at this game right now. We're we're basically playing in the playoffs and then if we get to the playoffs, we'll feel like we were already in it with having that mentality. Uh, Jess Schism Jr. said that, okay, basically every game right now is game seven of the World Series. We have to win. Every game Every game has to be won. We have to go out there and know that our life, life is on the line with each game we play. And then you have the guys like Jake Berger basically going, Jake Berger and Brian Dale Cruz are like, well, nobody thought we were going to be favorites anyway, so we're playing with health money even though again, they had everything after the all-star break, they were 14 over, but they still come, came in with a chip on their shoulder from the beginning of the season where every, everyone, hi, me included, had them probably most likely finishing fourth in the East. So they're still in the thought process of, you know what, let's shock the world. And they're all, whichever mentality of them that they're embracing, they all have different reasons or different thought processes to get them through this final push. And it's, good to see how all of those different thought processes or directions are all going on a similar path even if it's different motive to get them to that
1: point yeah that's what's uh it's very much narrow the focus day to day but at the same time and this is where the veterans are going to come in there's a lot that always happens in baseball where you know the whole marathon not a sprint thing where you it's funny because jazz will go that that to that top you know that 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 yeah. ceiling of it's game 7 you you like that but at the same time you don't want to get too too low too if then yeah. you lose game 7 you yeah. know the, the the proverbial game 7 so that's where the veteran mix is going to be good because they're going to you know this team will lose a few of these down the stretch no matter what to keep them all even keel too and i always that's the thing it's it's a very interesting balance of having some of that but also having that urgency yeah. and it seems like at times they, they lost that a little bit, but now they're starting to get that back. They're starting to get that little bit. And, and skip has been a lot for playing each game. Like it, like it matters, you know, really relevant. And that's sometimes I think, you know, it's a, it's also an interesting balance because you have to think big picture, like right now, managing innings and all that sort of thing too. But you'd also don't want to throw away games either because at the end of the day, that could come back to haunt you. So it's, it's always in baseball that's an interesting mix so it'll be interesting to see how they continue to handle it. And I think overall they have handled it to get them to this point but now this is the buckle up point and, and it really really gets tougher from here so but that being said, let's uh, as we said before, we're going to keep uh, documenting this journey Jordan will in in writing will continue to uh, document this journey follow his work at miamiherald.com. We'll see where the Marlins are as they begin this t- this tough stretch after next week. Uh, Jordan will be covering this series against the Dodgers, and then he'll be in Philadelphia. We'll probably be filming this uh, next week, either. Well, probably we'll be filming it from Milwaukee once he's over at uh, over at Miller Park and uh, getting ready to cover that series. Uh, you know, probably won't have time to go down the slide or do anything like that. But uh,
0: <laughs> there's always time to go down the slide,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, well, one of these days, right? You get, you get to do that, I'm sure. Uh, But we'll be there, you know, coming to you next week with another episode of Fish Bites. As always, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening and catch it on MiamiHerald.com and, of course, on YouTube, or you can listen to it on any of your favorite podcatchers. So until next week, for Jordan McPherson, I'm Andre Fernandez. Thanks for joining us on Fish Bites.